Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we have an elephant in the Zoom call today, or I would say several elephants, uh, as we record this on a, on a beautiful Friday here in the fair metropolis of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and that's fitting for us to have a lot of elephants uh, in today's conversation, because today's conversation is, in fact, about an elephant. Hi, I'm Ben. Ben, I'm Noel. I have to say, I feel as though... You missed a golden opportunity. Why not just an elephant in the Zoom, baby? That's what I said. Yeah, but you said the Zoom call. Oh, yeah. Well, earlier I did. You heard me do this joke earlier. On an I don't know what you're talking recorded. about. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. And I did say elephant is, is true. Uh, I love yeah. it, though. It's true. Oh, man. this is, You guys are getting us at our absolute best lately. Uh, end of the day, Friday, you know, election time, very tense. You know, tensions running high, not going to get into any of that, but I think we're probably both on the extra punchy side for today's recordings, but that's really the best uh, version of ourselves you're going to get, folks. Hey, I did a little self-care. I took a uh, power nap in my car. Uh, I'm bunkered down in the office today, uh, but yeah, yeah, we're we're enjoying it. We're in a good mood. The weekend's on the way. Uh, our super producer, Casey Pegram, has what I, what I think of as his... Um, for some reason, Casey, I think of this as your second most optimistic background. I still, the Eats background still, I think, takes, has a place in my heart. Eats is a, a, a mainstay, local meet and three situation here in Atlanta. Any visitors passing through, uh, they are doing pickup or some, some yes. form of, yes. Tell us all about Eats, Casey. Yeah, I've been fortunate to um, have seen Eats in person again after several months of, uh, of not. So, um, uh, yeah, if you're ever in uh, Atlanta on Ponce de Leon, Go buy, check out Eats, get the jerk chicken. It's very good. I hear they did away with the pasta bar, though. Or maybe that's only temporary, but temporary, I did hear that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. I wouldn't even know about that. I, I get literally the same thing every time. Jerk chicken, mac and cheese, 
and uh, sweet potato. You don't do the broccoli casserole? Oh. You don't do the broccoli casserole? No, no. Love it. None of that. Wow. None of that foolishness. Not a... What? How dare you, Wow. Sir? <laughs> this is going to be maligned. what breaks up the band. Oh, <laughs> God. Can't even look at you anymore. Yeah, next time you find yourself in Atlanta, do try out Eats. The menu has literally not changed in decades until the pandemic where they halted the pasta bar, but you know, I always felt sorry for the people working the pasta bar. Right. There's always this huge line for everything else. It's very lonely over there. It is yeah. lonely. It's true. It's like, what about us? Hey, you know what else hasn't changed much in decades? The Vatican. There we go. Segway. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, today's episode is not just about elephants. It's about white elephants in a very literal sense. And it's about the Vatican. So this is weird. If you go to the Vatican, you're going to see a lot of unique things, right? Uh, we were talking off air. You'll see the uh, only place in the world where the ATMs are also available in Latin. Um, you'll see some of the most influential architecture in European history. Uh, Noel, you and I haven't been to the Vatican, but uh, but Casey, you have, right? Yeah, I was there in 2011, and uh, I did not know about the thing we're going to talk about in today's show when I was there. I wish I had known. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a very, very impressive place. You don't really have to be remotely religious to to still find it, the opulence of it and and just the, I don't know, it's, it's an overwhelming place. Everywhere you go, it's like impressive. And I hung out in uh, Vatican Square for a while, got very lucky. Somehow I managed to like skip the huge line because I just glommed on to some weird tour group and like went right in. There, there's there's not much you can say like the, the Sistine Chapel and, and everything is just a pretty pretty mind-blowing place did you happen to come across any elephant bones while you were wandering around Vatican City you know I saw some and I, I didn't think anything of it at the time and now Wait, that we're doing what? this episode I'm like oh I should have probably uh, spent a little more time there you should have carb carbon dated those bad boys at the very least you carry that kid around with you at all times we all know that and you gotta, I, I think you were telling me one of your main regrets is not understanding the hierarchy of hats in the Vatican, which are very important. Very true. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of potential faux pas you can make there if you're not on top of it. <laughs> Doesn't the hierarchy literally have to do with the height of your hat? Or what are you talking about here? That's a good, that's a good question. I think maybe that's an episode. If we could dig up enough stuff on that, on the weird, uh, the weird hierarchy of hats. Maybe we shouldn't call it weird. It's it's just unique to itself. But we're dancing around. We're dancing around like elephants scared of proverbial mice. The story starts here. It, it goes all the way back to the 16th century. There's a guy named Giovanni de Lorenzo de Medici. He becomes Pope Leo X. You know how when you're famous, you get all kinds of weird swag from people who kind of like want stuff from you or they want you to do something. They want you to think kindly of them. That is magnified by one million when you're the Pope at this time. Christian rulers were always plying the Vatican with these gifts and they would be like, hey, Pope Leo, we're cool, right? Like I'm the king of so-and-so. I want you to favor me if anything happens down the line. And there was one guy, the king of Portugal at the time, Manuel I. In 1513, he said, I'm going to go all out. I'm going to outdo every gift the Pope has ever gotten. Well, surely, Ben, papal favor cannot be curried by mere mortals. 
But that being said, this was a pretty good attempt. Um, he, uh, Manuel in particular, wanted to um, exercise some political swagger with this relationship and expand Portugal's shipping routes to India, uh, which were at the time being threatened uh, by Egypt. Um, Egypt had uh, essentially the makings of a monopoly on these trade routes. So in order to, to get Leo, I'm just going to call him Leo X because that sounds badass. Um, but we all know X is the 10th. Uh, to get him on board and to help, you know, flex some papal muscle in this whole dispute, he decided to um, gift the uh, the Pope with a freaking Indian elephant. And not just any Indian elephant, an albino elephant um, named Anon. A-N-N-O-N-E. Um, and then it was anglicized to Hanno, which is confusing to me. What's wrong with Anon? I can say that. That's easy enough. What's the, what's the problem? You know how people get weird about names. They think it's an ownership thing. You know what I mean? So they probably just wanted to, uh, you know what? Maybe it was just a pet name, which is weird because Hanno was definitely not a pet. He was he was part of a transaction manual paid to get better shipping routes to India, right? And this, uh, the, I almost said this guy, this elephant, this white elephant, Hanno, uh, became a fundamental part of the politics of Portuguese expansion here. He made a cameo in the Protestant Reformation, and he was so popular. I mean, like, people would, you know, this is this is in the time before widespread zoos, right? So this is people's one chance to see a near-mythical creature that they've, yeah, for some reason decided to call Hanno. Uh, it makes you wonder what Harambe's real name was. Ah, story for another day. It is a story for another day, but it is interesting, the whole idea of anglicization of names in and of itself, I think, could be a cool one. But uh, names aside, yeah, this is a, a beloved elephant <laughs> by the Pope and uh, an important kind of almost like diplomatic uh, chess piece in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly right. And then check this out. History forgot about it. Uh, <laughs> that's we cut to we cut all the way to like 1962. Uh, some folks were digging up the Vatican's Belvedere courtyard because they wanted to modernize the HVAC. Mm-hmm. This is a true story. That's acceptable. That's an acceptable uh, modification of the Vatican, but they probably don't do too much remodeling typically, right? Yeah, you can imagine it gets a little bit tricky for them, given the age and the uh, whole, you know, the fact that this is these are sanctuaries and so on. But they managed to get it together. It was considered a worthwhile uh, operation. And while they were digging, these Italian construction workers were, you know, they're like, shoo, 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 thunk, and they hit bone. I don't, I don't know why I'm phrasing it that way. I'm picturing like the Beverly Hillbillies. Totally. Going bone. Bone. Black gold. Dino bricks. White gold. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's bone. And it was elephant bone, but they didn't know that at the time. Um, they were like, I was about to say sacre bleu. These weren't Frenchmen. What am I doing here? One of them could have said sacre bleu. You know? what, would, what would be an Italian, like a very stupid stereotypical? Mamma mia. Mamma mia. Mamma mia. It's a bone. Here we go again. There you go. Oh, I don't even know. I don't. I am not familiar with any of the music of ABBA except for Dancing Queen. Somebody played me a song of theirs the other night that sounded like a like a polka or something, and I really liked it, but I can't remember what it was called. 
irrelevant, completely unrelated to anything we're discussing. But it's true. They found these bones and then um, history forgot about it again. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The uh, well, they, they they did go so far as to realize it was n- not like a dinosaur, mm-hmm. and it was dated to some degree. They didn't have. I don't think they had carbon dating at, at this point, did they? No, they probably did. They would have had carbon dating, radiocarbon dating, maybe like it's a thing that existed, but I don't know if it would have been widespread because this was first proposed in 1946. Right, right. Um, But they did, to some degree of accuracy, date the bones, of course, again, after realizing that they were not, in fact, like dinosaur bones or something, um, that it was the bones of an elephant. And then, as I said, history promptly forgot about it again until, like, the early 1980s. Um, <laughs> we're, we're pushing up close to our cutoff for the story, but it, it started a long time ago, so we're able, that's okay. We, we, we get a pass. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So, in the 80s, um, this is, there's a period between the late 80s and the early to mid-90s where this was becoming a thing. Um, no one asked any questions about it up until that point. So, you know, I think it's fair to say history sort of forgot it again. It was odd, to say the least, that no one would have inquired as to why there was an elephant buried in Vatican City. Um, and no one thought to ask that question until uh, the Smithsonian's historian emeritus, a gentleman by the name of Silvio Bedini, Love it. F- caught wind of this story. And he did some exhaustive research and actually published a paper in 1997 called The Pope's Elephant. And it was, uh, there's a great Atlas Obscura article that refers to this work as the most thorough study to date of the elephant that lived in the Cortile de Belvedere. Right. And this is, you know, it almost goes without saying, uh, rarefied niche in the world of publishing. Uh, 
but he did solve the mystery, and we owe Silvio an enormous debt for this. He's the one who figured out how these elephant bones got under the court of Belvedere. Uh, he He's the one who did this research and discovered, like we said at the top, that the Portuguese monarchy was attempting to expand its control of trade routes, not just uh, trade with India, but the East Indies as well. And they wanted to, how like Frank Herbert Dune is this, they wanted to control the spice trade. Yeah, they wanted to let that spice flow. Mm-hmm. And as part of the operations in all these uh, distant parts of the world, they were also collecting animals that you wouldn't normally see in Mediterranean Europe. And so there was lead up to this elephant. Things had happened before. Portugal had already sent different popes, parrots, mandrills, leopards, monkeys galore. Uh, I got to say, though, I feel like sending someone a mandrill as a as a gift, feels kind of threatening. Are you guys very familiar with mandrills? They're freaking terrifying. Aren't they? They're like kind of look like what you would think of, of as a baboon with like the blue and red noses and like mm. the butts and stuff. And the enormous fangs. Massive fangs. And they apparently will like rip your face off, you know, if provoked. Yeah, no hesitation. And okay, so it, anyway, they're sending them animals, right? And at the time that they're gearing up to send this uh, to send this elephant, the Portuguese king is, as we said, his name is Manuel I. Uh, he has a problem because he knows that he's starting to to get beefy with Egypt uh, because Portugal's maritime trade routes are becoming a threat to Egypt's overland trade route. Egypt has a monopoly on the trade there. And so Egypt is pushing the Pope and they're saying, look, you got to pull the leash on these guys in Portugal. They're eating our lunch or whatever they would have, whatever the equivalent of that would have been in the 1500s. And the Egyptian leaders, the thing is, they have leverage. They control Jerusalem at this time. They can destroy some of the most holy sites in the Christian religion if the Pope gets on their bad side. Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I always um, think of, you know, the Vatican as being this sort of like isolated, apolitical thing, but that's not true at all, is it? It, it very much held uh, political sway and was, you know, not hesitant to, to flex it when needed. Um, and yeah, like, you know, out of fealty or something along the lines, Christian leaders, because religion was such a huge part of, of all of these uh, forms of government, um, it was customary for them to send the new pope these gifts. And it was seen by the savviest of them, I suppose, as a uh, opportunity to, you know, get in good with uh, someone that could help provide some political support. If he got in good with the Pope, he could potentially ask for him to help finance uh, his expansion efforts. And we're saying expanding his trade routes. I mean, we're literally saying like expanding his fleet, like getting more vehicles, getting more ships, um, weapons, all of that stuff. If he got the Pope's, you know, holy blessing um, Mm -hmm. for this, you know, essentially like manifest destiny situation, this idea of expanding as a nation, the Portuguese trading system. And so he 
had he knew what kind of the go-to gifts were um things like gold or uh you know spices or fine you know linens and a lotions we could just say oil. pimp cup yeah a pimp <laughs> cup uh something called a brocade altar mm. cover i don't know mm. is that like a, a a type of weave perhaps yeah it's a uh it's like brocaded Silk or something would have a raised pattern made by pressure or embroidery. So a very fancy tablecloth for an altar. Got it. So he did send all these things, like even though they're maybe like we're a little more on the obvious side, he he wanted to like really like go go hard and go large. So he sent all of these things in addition to gold and jewels and crusted, you know, with rubies and f- fine neck necklaces and what have you. And uh, then he sent these weird exotic animals like cheetahs and leopards and dogs like what's described in this amazing house obscure article as strange dogs i love Um, it uh, and i want to know more about these strange dogs i imagine it maybe means like weirdly selectively bred dogs that we wouldn't see anymore today that's that's my guess um also sent a a a fancy uh persian horse and then hanno the elephant which doesn't that seem like a homework assignment all that stuff it's like Okay, I appreciate where you're coming from, man, but you've literally given me like a, a flock of creatures to have to deal with. But, you know, I guess they've got people to, do, to take care of that stuff. Yeah, he's the Pope. There'll be things he occasionally looks at if he looks at them more than once. With strange dogs, that really stuck out to me, too. I think it's probably, it could be uh, something like a Shizu. That's what I was thinking initially, for instance, because that would be from China. But it could also be something that's just dog-like and maybe not actually a canid, like a hyena, for instance, uh, which is not near as related to dogs as they may seem. Or maybe like a Tibetan fox. You know what I mean? Uh Foxes are probably best described, I didn't write this, but foxes are probably best described as dogs running cat software. So yeah. that's that's like a strange dog to look that at. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm picturing some sort of like Anubis-like, you know, mutant dog mm-hmm. situation, but uh, who knows? We weren't there. Um, but the thing about elephants that was neat is like they, they weren't. You know, it wasn't common. I mean, the Italians were aware of elephants, which is a funny thing to say because, you know, um, the great uh, war, I guess, conquering hero Hannibal crossed the Alps using elephants outfitted for battle. Um, and also uh, th- they were known to have been kept by Roman um, officials, like high-level consuls in, you know, when the empire was flourishing. Yeah. So it's like something we knew existed if we're Italians in that time, but there hasn't been an actual elephant in Europe for people to see, especially in Italy, for centuries. So this is uh, the event of the year, possibly, you know, the, well, caveat, because a lot of stuff happened, but this is a huge deal. There was no... Uh, David Attenborough documentary to depict uh, elephants in the wild. There were no photographs because the camera wasn't invented until 1839. Uh, So we didn't have any real depictions of these creatures. Additionally, most people didn't own paintings or sculptures. Those are pretty expensive. And even if you could buy one, most of the artists or sculptors who would create that art for you 
had never traveled to Asia or Africa where they might see a live elephant. So what you're what you're seeing when you get these paintings is like this game of telephone that's lasted for centuries. And that and that means that most people in Italy at this time have never even seen a picture of an elephant when this gift arrives courtesy of Portugal. So when Manuel brought these elephants back, he was also creating kind of a potential elephant trade operation who was demanding a tribute of 10 elephants each year from his various vassals on the trade route. Uh, so he could, so it's not like they hunted down one elephant. He just thought this would be a move like that scene in American Psycho when everybody's comparing their business cards. Hanno was his super cool business card. That's a terrible comparison because the thing about that in the film and in the novel is that the business cards are identical and therefore somewhat anonymous. Right, but it's also appropriate, Ben, because if I'm not mistaken, the uh, the material or the shade of the business card in American Psycho is called bone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With a watermark. Or a watermark, raised printing. Mm-hmm. With, oh, he's like sweating as he's talking about this. I love when he drops it. You can't see it because we're doing the we're, we're we're an audio <laughs> podcast. But okay, maybe we'll watch that one. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit tomboyx.com to shop. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac Bonneville. Yeah. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I meant I said El Camino and I meant Monte Carlo. I miss it so uh the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hanno is unusual even amid uh, elephants because of Hanno's pigment. So it is it is still a special gift amid special gifts. They run into some logistical problems. Hanno is taken, you know, by ship. Sure. To this port in Italy, and then they have to get him to the papal palace. And again, he's he's an elephant. For some reason, you know, when I when I hear when I hear albino elephant named Hanno, I picture a tiny elephant. I don't know why that is. Hmm. Uh, I don't think if there is a tiny elephant, they certainly don't stay tiny long. But what would be the rough size of a full-grown Indian elephant, Ben? Uh, the size is going to be somewhere between six and a half feet to 11 and a half feet from uh, shoulder height. Right. And they, they can weigh up to 11,000 pounds, 5,000 kilograms for the rest of the world. That's right, 5,000 kilograms. That's crazy. And how would they even, like, house such a beast on a ship? I would think he would fall right through the the floor, the deck. Well, he wasn't grown. He was four years old. He was only four years old. Okay, okay, got it. Thank you for, for checking me on that, Ben. But it's true. It was kind of like a logistical fiasco making this happen. It was a 70-mile journey from the port of Hercules um, to Rome. And this is uh, coming from Bedini's fantastic uh, paper. So, like you said, he wasn't a full-grown elephant. He arrived um, in an Italian port and then would have to be, like, walked. To the, you know, a ship would, would house this thing, but even a small one, it's not like you can, what, carry it on a litter or something like that. So they had to, like, walk it and kind of, you know, what ended up being a um, almost ceremonial procession, kind of like a, like a parade. Um, and so he got to Italy uh, from India. Uh, via Portugal in the winter of 1514. And um, <laughs> he apparently did, you know, what do they say? When elephants fight, only the grass suffers. Did I make that up? How's that? How's that expression? No, no, go? that's, that's, I, that's an accurate paraphrase. Yeah. Okay. So that's what it is. And that's what was happening. There's a lot of grass suffering um, more so even it was described as leaving a path of destruction in his wake. Um, he obviously wasn't full grown, but he was about four feet tall um, and, you know, pretty plodding animal. And it wasn't a particularly pleasant trip because the Italian, you know, roads were like really hard and uh, he, he was very, um, you know, painful on his little elephant feet. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't the cause of most of the, of the destruction. To be absolutely clear, the cause of most of the destruction were the all too human Italians who were like clamoring from all areas to come watch him walk those 70 miles from the Port of Hercules to Rome. Like they were rioting, they were trampling fields, they were crashing in roofs when everybody in a village would try to stand up and watch the elephant. And a caravan started following behind him. Every day this caravan got bigger and bigger and bigger. All socioeconomic statuses are involved, like nobles say, hey, let's follow the elephant. Peasants say, hey, let's follow the elephant. And workers are 
saying the same thing. They want to check this out. The elephant does come accompanied with his support staff. They notice there are strangers speaking a language they don't recognize to the elephant and kind of guiding it. And the elephant had to spend the night in places that would uh, keep it secure and hidden away from the curious. And all along the way, like every single day almost, there would be a wealthy Italian nobleman who was like, elephant handlers, why don't you just take a quick detour to my castle so I can entertain you and your elephant? And they had to say no, because this was an express delivery to the Pope, or at least most times, if the detour was too long. Uh, They arrived, I think, right on time. Like, they were skirting it. They were rushing in just before the Portuguese ambassador was scheduled to appear before the Pope, and they decked Hanno out. Like, they gave him a catwalk treatment. Boy, did they ever. Again, back to our friends at Atlas Obscura. Just really good turns of phrase with these writers. Uh, Adorned with handsome vestments and with a silver tower on his back. A silver tower. Sounds impressive. Um, And, you know, that cool trick elephants do where they get down on one knee and, like, genuflect, like in The Lion King. Uh, he did that when he got to the Pope. They must have taught him that. They must, that's so cool. And then he lifted back up and blew his little horn trumpet. What's it? Trunk, trunk trumpet. Uh, three times, like uh, in celebration. And then and he does kind of a super soaker thing. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. If, if this elephant had a T-shirt gun, he would have been firing it. But instead, he sucked water into his trunk and was just like uh, spraying water on everybody in the crowd. Classic elephant move. Including the Pope. Now, keep in mind, this is a guy who could have people killed for just, like, not showing him enough deference. And the Pope loves this. Leo X is like, ha-ha, yeah. <laughs> Clapping his little Pope hands, you know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he found it absolutely charming. Um, it's a pretty big gamble, though. Soaking the Pope? A Pope soak? Pope soaks are a dangerous game. It's yeah. really, it's a fine line. Um, how how much is too much is the question. And apparently this was just enough because Hanno would go on to become the Pope's favorite pet. But hold the phones. Surprise, surprise. We're going to do it. Another preemptive two-parter. Sorry, guys, we got to take vacation at some point. You get it. Um, there's a lot more to this story, surprisingly, um, and a lot of really cool history uh, involved and a lot of cute elephant hijinks, a lot of crazy political dealings. Uh, just wait, folks. Just wait. It's coming your way next time on Ridiculous History. Gold enemas will be mentioned uh, in part two. I also want to be completely honest. It's been very difficult for me to hold off on sharing facts about the cognitive abilities of one of my favorite animals. So maybe we'll get to that as well. In the meantime, why don't you tell us some of your favorite obscure facts about the Vatican, uh, some of your favorite weird facts about elephants, or, you know, Anything that comes to mind, you can find us. We're all over the internet, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, not just as a show, but as individuals. Oh, it's true, Ben. You can find me on Instagram at Brown, where you can see me posing with my uh, baby albino elephant that hopefully will never grow up. How about you, Ben? Where can they find you? 
You can find me uh, at Ben Bolin, HSW on Twitter. Uh, you can also learn more Strange Adventures at Ben Bolin on Instagram. Do give it a look. Thanks, as always, to the uh, the Pope of our podcast, our super Pope-deucer uh, of this podcast, Casey Pegram. Casey Pogram? No, it's too far. That's a step too far. Mm-hmm. An elephant step too far. <laughs> yes. And, of course, to Alex Williams, who composed this banging track, uh, to Jonathan Strickland, who sends his, uh, his love to you, ridiculous historians, and his just, like, aggressive disregard to the three of us. Totally. Uh, I think we're due for a drop-in pretty soon. Um, but it would be weird to have him on the second part of a two-parter, so it'll probably be on the next week's episode. Well, what am I saying? I can't spoil the surprise. You all love those surprise Quister visits so much. Um, yeah, in the meantime, do all those things that we were saying. <laughs> Hit us up. Uh, you can find our Facebook group, Ridiculous Historians, where memes aplenty are shared, you know, topics are discussed, friendships are made romances, marriages. There's been a few ridiculous historian marriages. I can only assume. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.